Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi there, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This is going to be for Official Declaration 1. I'll read the heading first. Um, It says, The Bible and the Book of Mormon teach that monogamy is God's standard for marriage unless he declares otherwise. Following a revelation to Joseph Smith, the practice of plural marriage was instituted among church members in the early 1840s. From the 1860s to the 1880s, the United States government passed laws to make this religious practice illegal. These laws were eventually upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. After receiving revelation, President Wilford Woodruff issued the following manifesto, which was accepted by the Church as authoritative and binding on October the 6th, 1890. This led to the end of the practice of plural marriage in the Church. I'm going to read a few uh, historical excerpts here and just give you a kind of a background of what happened uh, that precipitated this. We know from the proclamation on the family that marriage is between one man and one woman, unless, uh, and, and as mentioned in the introduction, that uh, unless God authorizes differently. The first legislation in the United States against the practice of plural marriage came 10 years after the doctrine was officially announced on the 29th of August, 1852, by Elder Orson Pratt. Stephen Harding, the non-Mormon governor of the territory of Utah, was able to get Justin R. Morrill of Vermont to introduce a bill into Congress. The bill was signed into law 8th of July, 1862, by President Abraham Lincoln. The Anti-Polygamy Act of 1862 defined plural marriage as bigamy and made the contracting of such a marriage punishable by a fine of $500 and imprisonment for a term of five years. This bill was the first of a flood of anti-Mormon legislation introduced during the next 25 years, most of which never passed. In 1874, the Church decided to sponsor a case to test the validity of the law of 1862. George C. Bates, United States Attorney for Utah, and George Q. Cannon were largely responsible for this idea. The leaders of the Church believed that the Supreme Court would rule the law unconstitutional since it infringed on the freedom of religion provision of the Constitution. George Reynolds was asked by the First Presidency to serve as the test case, and he furnished the evidence necessary to convict himself. On the 5th of May, 1879, the Supreme Court ruled against Reynolds. They concluded that although religious liberty was protected by the First Amendment, the amendment did not give one the right to commit immoral or criminal acts sanctioned by religious doctrine. Once the constitutionality of the Act of 1862 had been upheld by the highest court in the land, persecution of those who practiced plural marriage became more severe. In March 1882, Congress passed the Edmonds Bill. This law took away the right to vote for those who practiced plural marriage and made it illegal for them to hold any office or place of public trust. Five years later, in March of 1887, Congress passed the Edmonds-Tucker Act. This law disincorporated the church dissolved the Perpetual Immigration Fund, gave the property of the church to the government for the benefit of the common schools of Utah, and took away the right of Utah women to vote. During these trying times, President John Taylor died in hiding on the 25th of July, 1887 at Kaysville, Utah, and the mantle of leadership for the church fell upon Wilford Woodruff. For at least a year prior to the manifesto in 1890, President Wilford Woodruff had forbidden plural marriages to be performed in the endowment house. 
This ban, however, was not publicized. President George Q. Cannon explained, President Woodruff and others of us have been appealed to hundreds of times, I might say. I can say for myself that I have been appealed to many scores of times to get out something and to announce something. Someone of our leading brethren have said, inasmuch as we have ceased to give permission for plural marriages to be solemnized, why cannot we have the benefit of that? Why cannot we tell the world it is so as to have the benefit of it? Our enemies are alleging constantly that we still practice this in secret and that we are dishonest and guilty of evasion. Now, if we have really put a stop to granting permission to men to make more wives than one, why should not the world know it and we have the advantage of it? These remarks have been made to us repeatedly, but at no time has the Spirit seemed to indicate that this should be done. We have waited for the Lord to move in this matter. That was from the Millennial Star of 1890. A couple of reasons why, uh, or a couple of principles here based on uh, this manifesto. We should obey the laws of the nation in which we live. If those laws conflict with the laws of God, we should follow the counsel of the living prophet. Also, the Lord will never allow the president of the church to lead its members astray. When enemies stop us from obeying one of God's commandments, the Lord accepts our efforts and may, through his living prophet, release us from our from this commandment. Through the years, the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve have issued official documents for governing the church or making announcements to the world. Generally, documents issued for governing the church are called official declarations, whereas documents directed to the world are called proclamations. Two official uh, declarations are included in the canonized scripture of the church. These declarations bear directly on key doctrines of the kingdom. A historical introduction explaining the circumstances that precipitated each document has been provided. Okay, I think I went through some of this already. On the 16th of May, 1843, in Ramos, Illinois, the prophet Joseph Smith said, Except a man and his wife enter into an everlasting covenant and be married for eternity while in this probation, by the power and authority of the holy priesthood, they will cease to increase when they die. That is, they will not have any children after the resurrection. But those who are married by the power and authority of the priesthood in this life and continue without committing the sin against the Holy Ghost will continue to increase and have children in the celestial glory. In the celestial glory, there are three heavens or degrees, and in order to attain the highest, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, and if he does not, he cannot obtain it. He may enter into the other, but that is the end of his kingdom. He cannot have an increase. The prophet dictated on July 12, 1843, the revelation on the eternity of the marriage covenant, including plurality of wives, to ascribe William Clayton in Nauvoo. In addition to teaching the necessity of marriage for time and eternity as performed by the proper priesthood authority, this revelation announced the conditions under which the Lord permitted his servants to take plural wives. The keys to perform both eternal marriages and to authorize a plurality of wives has been given to, had been given to Joseph Smith. I have appointed unto him my, unto my servant Joseph to hold this power in the last days, and there is never but one on the earth at a time on whom this power and the keys of this priesthood are conferred. Any ceremony to bind man and woman together beyond the period of mortal life or to give the right to take plural wives, which is not done under the direction of this authority, will be of no efficacy or force when people are out of the world. There is but one person on the earth at a time upon whom the keys of this sealing ordinance are conferred. That man is the presiding high priest, the president of the church. He is the bearer of this authority, which he may exercise personally or he may or he may commission others to exercise it under his jurisdiction for such time, long or short, up to the end of his life, he may, as he may desire. <clears throat> it was after the revelation on July 1843, which provided that under certain conditions, which are clearly defined, a man may receive more than one woman to be his wife, that plural marriage became 
a recognized doctrine of the church. Under this system, family ties were established and relationships entered into, which were held sacred and binding, not alone for those, by those who accepted and entered into the order of plural marriage, but by all who had become members of the church. The years that followed witnessed ceaseless criticism of the church and relentless persecution of those who had entered into the relationship of plural marriage. Legislation regarding plural marriage was enacted by Congress. Under the provisions of the Edmunds-Tucker Law, the church was disincorporated. Hundreds of men who had contracted plural marriage were heavily fined and imprisoned. All persons who could not subscribe to a test oath, which was provided especially for those who practiced or believed in the practice of plural marriage, were disenfranchised. It became obvious that no human power could prevent the disintegration of the church except upon a pledge by its members to obey the laws which had been enacted prohibiting the practice of polygamy. It was under these circumstances that Wilford Woodruff, then the president of the church, announced the official declaration to the church and to the people of the United States, commonly referred to as the Manifesto. President Woodruff wrote in his journal, I have arrived at a point in the history of my life as the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where I am under the necessity of acting for the temporal salvation of the Church. And after praying to the Lord and feeling inspired, I have issued the following proclamation, which is sustained by my counselors and and the Twelve Apostles. After reviewing the enactment of the law prohibiting the practice of plural marriage and the effects of its enforcement, President Woodruff in in this declaration said, Inasmuch as laws have been enacted by Congress forbidding plural marriages, which laws have been pronounced constitutional by the court of the last resort, I do hereby declare my intention to submit to those laws and and to use all my influence with the members of the church over which I preside to have them do likewise. All right, let me read you the declaration here. To whom it may concern. Press dispatches having been sent for political purposes from Salt Lake City, which have been widely published to the effect that the Utah Commission, in their recent report to the Secretary of the Interior, alleged that plural marriages are still being solemnized and that 40 or more such marriages have been contracted in Utah since last June or during the past year. Also that in public discourses, the leaders of the church have taught, encouraged, and urged the continuance of the practice of polygamy. I therefore, as president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, do hereby in the most solemn manner declare that these charges are false. We are not teaching polygamy or plural marriage, nor permitting any person to enter into its practice, and I deny that either 40 or any other number of plural marriages have have been reported. Oops. Plural marriages have during that period been solemnized in our temples or in any other place in the territory. One case has been reported in which the parties allege that the marriage was performed in the endowment house in Salt Lake City in the spring of 1889, but I have not been able to learn who performed the ceremony. Whatever was done in this manner was without my knowledge. In consequence of this alleged occurrence, the endowment house was by my instruction taken down without delay. Inasmuch as laws have been enacted by Congress forbidding plural marriages, which laws have been pronounced constitutional by the court of last resort, I hereby declare my intention to submit to those laws and to use my influence with the members of the church over which I preside to have them do likewise. There is nothing in my teachings to the church or in those of my associates during this this time specified, which can reasonably be construed to inculcate or encourage polygamy, and when any elder of the church has used language which appeared to convey any such teaching, he has been promptly reproved, and I now publicly declare that my advice to the Latter-day Saints is to refrain from con- contracting any marriage forbidden by the law of the land. And that was signed by Wilford Woodruff, President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. President Lorenzo Snow offered the following. 
I move that recognizing Wilford Woodruff as the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the only man on the earth at the present time who holds the keys of the sealing ordinances, we consider him fully authorized by virtue of his position to issue the manifesto which has been read in our hearing and which is dated September 24, 1890, and that as a church in general conference assembled, we, we accept his declaration concerning plural marriages as authoritative and binding. The vote to sustain the foregoing motion was unanimous. Excerpts from three addresses by President Wilfred Woodruff regarding the manifesto. The Lord will never permit me or any other man who stands as president of this church to lead you astray. It is not in the program. It is not in the mind of God. If I were to attempt that, the Lord would remove me out of my place, and so he will, and so will any other man and so he will any other man who attempts to lead the children of men astray from the oracles of God and from their duty. It matters not who lives or who dies or who is called to lead this church. They have got to lead it by the inspiration of Almighty God. If they do not do it that way, they cannot do it at all. I have had some revelations of late and very important ones to me, and I will tell you that what the Lord has said to me. Let me bring your minds to what is termed the manifesto. The Lord has told me to ask the Latter-day Saints a question, and he also told me that if they would listen to what I said to them and answer the question put to them by the Spirit and power of God, they would all answer alike, and they would all believe alike with regard to this matter. The question is this, which is the wisest course for the Latter-day Saints to pursue? To continue to attempt to practice plural marriage with the laws of the land against it and the opposition of 60 millions of people, and at the cost of the confiscation and loss of all the temples and the stopping of all the ordinances therein, both for the living and the dead, and the imprisonment of the first presidency in 12, and the heads of families in the church, and the confiscation of personal property of the people, all of which of themselves would stop the practice, or after doing and suffering what we have through our adherence to this principle to cease the practice and submit to the law, and through doing so leave the prophets, apostles, and fathers at home so that they can instruct the people and attend to the duties of the church and also leave the temples in the hands of the saints so that they can attend to the ordinances of the gospel, both for the living and the dead. The Lord showed me by vision and revelation exactly what would take place if if we did not stop this practice. If we had not stopped it, you would not have had you would have had no use for any of the men in this temple at Logan, for all ordinances would be stopped throughout the land of Zion. Confusion would reign throughout Israel, and many men would be made prisoners. This trouble would have come upon the whole church, and we should have been compelled to stop the practice. Now the question is whether it should be stopped in this manner or in the way the Lord has manifested to us and leave our prophets and apostles and fathers free men and the temples in the hands of the people so that the dead may be redeemed. A large number has already been delivered from the prison house in the spirit world by this people and shall the work go on or stop? This is the question I lay before the Latter-day Saints. You have to judge for yourselves. I want you to answer it for yourselves. I shall not answer it, but I say to you that that is exactly the condition as we as a people would have been in had we not taken the course of action, the course we have taken. I saw exactly what would what would come to pass if there was not something done. I have had this spirit upon me for a long time, but I want to say this, I shall I should have let all the temples go out of my hands or out of our hands. I should have gone to prison myself and let every other man go to go to there had not the God of heaven commanded me to do what I did do. And when the hour came that I was commanded to do that, it was all clear to me. I went before the Lord and I wrote what the Lord told me to write. I leave this with you for you to contemplate and consider. The Lord is at work with us. 
Now I will tell you what has what was manifested to me and what the Son of God performed in this thing. All these things would have come to pass as God Almighty lives, had not that manifesto been given. Therefore the Son of God felt disposed to have the have that thing presented to the church and to the world for purposes of his own mind. The Lord had decreed that the, estab- the establishment of Zion. He had decreed the finishing of this temple. He had decreed that the salvation of the living and the dead should be given in these valleys of the mountains. And Almighty God decreed that the devil should not thwart it. If you can understand that, that is a key to it. Some in the church continued to practice plural marriage outside the borders of the United States. Many moved to Mexico, for example, so they would not have to terminate their marriages. Some of these thought that new plural marriages could be performed outside of the United States. Finally, on the 8th of January, 1900, President Lorenzo Snow, who had succeeded President Woodruff, stated, The church has positively abandoned the practice of polygamy or the solemnization of plural marriages in this and every other state, and no member or officer thereof has any authority whatever to perform a plural marriage or enter into such a relation. Others claimed that the manifesto was issued only for good public relations and that church leaders secretly supported the practice. In 1904, President Joseph F. Smith, successor to President Lorenzo Snow, made the following official declaration in General Conference. Now I am going to present a matter to you that is unusual, and I do it because of a conviction which I feel that it is a proper thing for me to do. I have taken the liberty of having written down what I wish to present in order that I may say say to you the exact words which I would like to have conveyed to your ears, that I may not be misunderstood or misquoted. I present this to the conference for your action." Inasmuch as there are numerous reports in circulation that plural marriages have been entered into, contrary to the official declaration of President Woodruff of September 26, 1890, commonly called the Manifesto, which was issued by President Woodruff and adopted by the Church at its General Conference October 6, 1890, which forbade any marriages violative of the law of the land, I, Joseph F. Smith, President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, hereby affirm and declare that no such marriages have been solemnized with the sanction, consent, or knowledge of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I hereby announce that all such marriages are prohibited, and if any officer or member of the church shall assume to solemnize or enter into any such marriage, he will be deemed in transgression against the church and will be liable to be dealt with according to the rules and regulations thereof and excommunicated therefrom. In October 1905, the church accepted the resignations of elders Matthias Cowley and John W. Taylor, both of whom had performed plural marriages after the manifesto from the Quorum of the Twelve. Elder Cowley continued as a faithful member of the church, while John W. Taylor was later excommunicated for taking another plural wife after his resignation. In 1911, President Joseph F. Smith again emphasized the church's stand, and another thing, as we have announced in previous conferences, as it was announced by President Woodruff, as it was announced by President Snow, and as it was announced, re-announced by me and my brethren and confirmed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, plural marriages have ceased in the church. There isn't a man today in this church or anywhere else outside of it who has authority to solemnize a plural marriage, not one. There is no man or woman in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who is authorized to contract a plural marriage. It is not permitted, and we have been endeavoring to the utmost of our ability to prevent men from being led by some designing person into an unfortunate condition that is forbidden by the conferences and by the voice of the church, a condition that has, to some extent at least, brought reproach upon the people. Since then, every president of the church has reiterated this stand and declared the doctrine of the church to be against the practice of plural marriage. 
Additionally, in a statement that President uh, Gordon B. Hinckley made in General Conference of 1998 uh, regarding the practice of plural marriage among um, others that are that claim to be members of the church or that uh, some people believe are members of the church, he said, I wish to state categorically that this church has nothing whatever to do with those practicing polygamy. They are not members of this church. Most of them have never been members. They are in violation of the civil law. They know they are in violation of the law. They are subject to its penalties. The church, of course, has no jurisdiction whatever in this matter. If any of our members are found to be practicing plural marriage, they are excommunicated, the most serious penalty the church can impose. Not only are those so involved in direct violation of the civil law, they are in violation of the law of this church. An article of our faith is binding upon us. It states we believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers, and magistrates, in obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law. One cannot obey the law and disobey the law at the same time. So um, he says, there is no such thing as a Mormon fundamentalist. It is a contradiction to the use of two words together. I bear testimony that this uh, manifesto and this uh, doc- declaration, number one, is was inspired of God and that this discontinued the practice of plural marriage as the family proclamation against states that marriage is between a man and a woman, one of each. I bear that testimony. Also, that it's not necessary to be exalted to have more than one wife. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.